You're listening to the Beside the Badge podcast with your host, Paul Bunker, veteran chaplain and friend to law enforcement. Guys, welcome back to another broadcast of Beside the Badge. My name is Paul Buckner. I'm a civilian police chaplain in the American Midwest. And today I have the honor of interviewing Mark Gunger. Mark, take it away. Tell us about yourself. Uh, <laughs> tell us about myself. I, uh, I'm a pastor, actually. If you're not terribly religious, don't let that make you nervous. Some of my biggest fans are heathens. So, uh, But what I do and why I'm talking to Paul is I talk and do work with couples, relationships. And uh, by default, most pastors, chaplains, rabbis, I mean, all are thrown into marriage counseling by default. People figured we tied the knot. We can help it if it comes untied. You know, Paul, the funny thing about that is, do you know the vast majority, I mean, the vast majority of pastors and chaplains, everybody else, have had zero training in dealing with couples. Yep. You got to wonder what are the, because it cannot be a mystery to people in our chosen line of work that that's what we all wind up doing, right? Most pastors will tell you they're overwhelmed talking about marriage and dealing with couples. Yet these Bible colleges spend zero time preparing these people on how to do this. And, and it just frustrates them. I think it's just crazy. I don't know what, what the deal is. So we spend all this time dealing on theology and church issues and this and that and, that, and throw us out there unprepared. So a lot of us are terrible uh, at it. I, when I first started, I was horrible. If you came to see me in the beginning, you were doomed. I mean, seriously, man, 80% of the people I talked to ended up in divorce. Can you imagine going to a doctor where 80% of the people came out dead? Came out dead. Probably wouldn't go back. <laughs> Who'd go back? And I thought, this sucks. I'm terrible at this. What is going on? So that's why I started working at trying to understand and coming up, trying to find just the basic keys to help couples uh, more likely succeed with each other. And uh, it's not overly spiritual. It's not. Uh, in fact, my approach is I, I try to talk. I, I wrote a book about all this called Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. Available online. Yeah. Uh, where is it? Wait, wait. It's a very green book. Yes. It's not easy being green. Anyway, it's more of a book that chicks would read because it's got 18 gazillion words in it. Most guys don't want to read stuff like that. So, uh, But uh, if, if you're given to it. Anyway, I talk about the laws of relational physics. Mm -hmm. I want to find something that works separate from me, if, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. You know, like sometimes we say, well, you got to do this and this has got to be that and everything. I want the laws of, I want like, if you step off the roof, you're going to go down. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It, it just all happens all the time. doesn't matter. You know, you can spend all day praying Paul and, and <laughs> pouring holy water on yourself. Yeah. And you know what? You're still going to step off and you're going to go down. Or let's say you're just acting like a complete heathen all day today. And God's the first thing, you know, what? you step off the thing, you're still going to go down. It always works all the time, every time. So my approach in helping with couples is that kind of material. These are basic concepts that it doesn't really matter how you were brought up. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. It doesn't matter how sober you are. It really, it just works every time, virtually all the time. So all of my stuff is based off this concept of relational physics. So, so that's what I try and do with people. And uh, it's, uh, and it tends to be very funny because nothing's more funny than dealing with <laughs> the insanity between a husband and a wife. Amen. And you know, actually, if you look, I'm, I don't consider myself a comedian per se, but uh, you know, it's called laugh your way to a better marriage. 
Uh, and people laugh a lot if they've ever seen my material. But yeah, uh, yeah the DVD. Virtually yeah. all the, uh, almost every comedian has a whole routine on relationships, right? Mm -hmm. And people laugh hysterically. It doesn't matter who they are because it's just funny. Do you know why? Because of the tension. There's yeah. this tension. And uh, uh, if, if a comedian touches that tension just right, people will giggle and laugh and stuff. So it works out good. I get people laughing and then I smack them upside the head. And it works well. So that's what I do. It's why I do it. And uh, even though I'm still pastoring uh, up here in Green Bay, Wisconsin, nice. the exact center of the galactic universe, <laughs> I still go out and do a lot of these relational talks. So anyway, that's, that's your question. What do I do? That's what I do. So, so I, I want to go back to go forward about how a little bit about me and then how I discovered your ministry, um, because it was it was founded through great pain. Um, so I am a I'm ordained as a chaplain. Um, I did not go to seminary. And I think in some ways it gives me an advantage because um, I'll be in the middle of a conversation with a cop and I use a lot of analogies that are that make sense to them. And uh, and I, I have a ministry of presence, as a friend of mine said, I ride very frequently with law enforcement. And and there's you know, there's all, three big marriage killers in my experience that holds true is communication and especially about raising kids. It's uh, number two, it's um, uh, adultery. And then three is finances and understanding those three things is huge. And I bring up your ministry a lot and I use uh, stories that you share. And I have these aha moments in the front seats of police cars where these guys go, oh, and I'm and I'm like, by the way, go buy this thing or I'll buy it for you or whatever. And I I've got one that just came in yesterday and I'm going to surprise a friend of mine in law enforcement who's newly in a relationship with a copy of your DVD because it's very important. So that's number one. Number two, um, my wife and I went through three marriage counselors, our pastor, and he was doing everything in his power. And uh, he finally looked at me and he's like, I can't help you. And he passed us off to two other marriage counselors. One was a man, one was a woman. I was spending between 60 and $85 an hour. And we were all getting beat up on. Um, it was, it, things were getting worse, not better. And my wife and I finally went, okay, cool it. We're, we're not getting a divorce, but we, we, we're speaking two different languages and we don't, we don't get each other. And then I was listening to a Christian radio station and they were talking about this laugh your way to a better marriage. And I'm like, well, nothing else has worked. And I like to laugh this might be fun. And then by the time we did the first break at your live conference, you're not going to remember me, but I walked up and said, holy cow, thank you for this. This has been an amazing blessing. My wife and I went home having learned these lessons, stopped trying to kill each other. And once a year now, we watch it every January. We watch Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage on DVD. We make it a two-night date night, pop popcorn. We cuddle, we laugh. And my wife will frequently say, pause that and I'll pause it and she'll go, that helped me to understand you. And uh, so it has been an incredible blessing to me. And I, I literally do not recommend any other marriage resource. And that is not a plug. Uh, I guess it is, but it's not, that's not lip service. It's genuinely how I feel because I'm like, look, like, like you said earlier, if you can't laugh at yourself in your marriage, you're kind of in trouble. And to be able to realize, oh, wow, this is something like my wife got to look around at hundreds of people and watch hundreds of guys nod. And I got to look around and, and watch hundreds of women nod and go, oh, this is gen genuinely how women think and feel. And I, I tell these young cops, I'm like, look, the woman in your life, the man in your life is, it might as well be another species. They think so differently from you. And we assume they think the same way we do. And I, and I started that 
understanding in your conference. So that that literally has begat this interview. As actually, you know, actually, what you just pointed out is the power of uh, of one of my conferences. Even watching the DVD because you can feel yourself becoming part of the audience, right? And yeah. you see all these clips. All of the, the DVD is about ten years old now. I had I had hair then. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, but one of the healing moments is actually the fact that uh, you see other people responding, and you get the sense it's not just me. We're not because everybody comes in. We have all these problems. We are screwed up. We're hopeless. And then you get together with a thousand people in a room and you realize, oh, we're all jacked up. Yes. <laughs> and it's extremely liberal. It really is liberating. We start to realize, you know, this is more normal than we think. Uh, and uh, you put in that context, that's very helpful to people. Because when you feel like it's just me, it's just my wife, it's just my spouse. Uh, well, how do you deal with that? When you start to realize, oh, wait. It's kind of all of us. Everybody deals with it. Just some are more successful with it than others. Some are, are terribly unsuccessful with it. They just never can seem to quite get it. Uh, but, you know, you, <laughs> you said uh, to these guys that, uh, you know, that we expect them to think like us. Uh, <laughs> I'm going on, on a limb here <laughs> and, and, and piss off all the women listening. Uh, uh -huh. it's, it's usually the other way around. It's yeah. women who just assume men think like they do. True. Most guys don't really have a whole lot of assumptions about anything. <laughs> you know, want to come home, want to have sex. You know, kind of, kind of a wrap for us, you know what I'm saying? So women will spend way more time trying to understand what we're thinking about than we ever spent even thinking. Amen. You know, which, was, which is what I go into about the nothing box. Men literally can sit and think about nothing, and women just can't understand it. A guy gets quiet, she assumes you're mad. Yeah, no. well, if the rules were reversed, that would be the case. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. If a woman's not talking to you, she's pissed off. <laughs> right. If a man's not talking to you, he's just a man, you know? If a man's yeah. not sharing the details of his day, he's just a man. Yeah. If a woman's not sharing your details with it, then she's probably irritated about something, you know? I mean, it's, so it's just it's just the way and virtually everybody deals with it. Or sometimes it completely flips. And I talk about that in my seminar as well. There's men who tend to think and act and respond more typically like a woman does. It doesn't mean anything, right. but take it to the bank. If a guy, if he marries a woman who does the opposite. She's yep. the one who's much logical and never wants to share anything. And so, so, you know, who's always been the chatty guy in our relationship? Me. La, 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 la. I want to talk everything through. And my poor wife is like, you know what I'm saying? And it's usually reversed for most couples, right? So it doesn't yeah. really matter who does it. It's just that it's usually one or the other. And, uh, and people tend to marry uh, people different than them. Yes. Opposites do, in fact, attract. And the thing that we find us so fascinating about each other in the beginning winds up irritating the crap out of each other after a while. And then we start thinking, what's what's the number one argument in marriage? Why can't you uh -huh. be more like me? Yeah, Because I'm brilliant and you are mentally ill. There's something wrong with you. And, if you. and if you don't address it right, it just gets out of control. So anyway, so I, I want to stop there for a second because my wife is like, make sure that you tell him that when we went through the conference, she's like, I actually am much more likely to compartmentalize than you are, meaning me. And she said, because she was raised in an environment that you don't talk about your feelings because it only makes it worse. And then every once in a while, this multi, you know, you know, this very large yield nuke would go off in my face because she would she would have it to hear with something. And I'm like, uh, could you not have just told me? please, please fold that up and put it away a year ago. And she would, so she would build up to this point and the, the, the pressure would boil over. 
and I was raised in an environment, and of course I have a very extroverted personality where um, I'm much more likely to communicate feelings. And she goes, she's like, you have your nothing box, but for you, things are much more connected than they are for most guys. And oh, she's that's like, really true. I mean, look what you're doing for right now. You're talking in front of all kinds of people. Yeah. It's what I do. So we yeah. both marry women typically who are just, they don't do that. And we don't share our, we love to do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it just means, except, but what do we do? We marry someone who's exactly the opposite. And, yeah. and it gives us all kinds of trouble. So, <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. except for now, my, my wife passed away uh, a few years ago. I did not uh, know that. What's that? I did not know that. You did not know that. Yes, the, the that. cute little redhead. Yes, uh, passed uh, three years ago from uh, breast cancer. Sorry, it was a long battle. It was quite brutal, and uh, and you know dealing with death and stuff like that. I mean, we can talk about that as well. But uh, so I've remarried since then. Uh, this cute little blonde. I, I had gotten to the point where I spoke fluent redhead and now I'm learning to speak blonde and it's a whole nother language. Apparently women are not all the same. Anyway, this one is uh, more like me, more chatty Cathy, and so, but even way more than I am. So now I feel like the opposite. You know what I'm saying? Like every time I feel overwhelmed of her talking, I can hear my wife in heaven going, yeah, what, what do you mm -hmm. think that? Mm -hmm. How's it feel, buddy? Because <laughs> that's what I was doing to her. I mean, even when I intentionally tried to get a woman who was more like me, I wound up getting one who's even more, more like me. And at times it's over. I mean, it never ends, right? There's no version of this that you can't get someone exactly like you. It just never works. So I have to adjust accordingly. Well, and, and we probably, if we could find someone exactly like us, we would probably kill them. Because we want to marry themselves. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. want to. Like I said in the beginning, it's great. It's just after a while, it kind of gets on our nerves and, and it gets a little frustrating. I, I love the fact that there can be second chances in, in relationships and 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 also in very fulfilling relationships because my wife was married for 10 years and her husband passed away. And she told me one day, she said, you are so much like her, her husband's first husband's name was Mike. She's like, you're so much like Mike, even the things that irritated me about him. So she married a guy, similar height, similar build, similar personality. So even apparently my flaws are, are quite similar, but, but I'm more of a, a communicator and then even more so than he. And uh, I guess he was quite a talker as well. But um, I was married in a very horrible relationship the first time around that was no fun at all. And uh, uh, she blessed me by leaving. And that's a that's a horrible thing to say. But but I wanted desperately to make the second one work. And you're right. There's no two relationships that are the same. And I love the fact that you frame it that way. And you're like, look, I'm, I'm learning to speak another language because everybody's different. And a good friend of mine, six marriages in, turned to me and he goes, Paul, I've got some advice for you. And I went, ah, I love you, brother. I don't think I want it. And he, and he I kind of laughed and he goes, no, I'm serious. He goes, wherever you go, there you are. He said, I've realized that I was my biggest enemy in all of my marriages. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm, because I mean, six marriages in a row. And he right. goes, I finally realized that I could have for sure fixed all but about two of them. And he's like, I, I have come to realize that so many of the things that I insisted on fighting over and making an issue of didn't matter. And that was one of those amazing things. You said that earlier about looking around and realizing, oh, we're all messed up. We're all laughing at this thing. Oh, this is much more common than I thought. So, yeah. And then you're, is he married now? He is. And he's actually been married uh, close to the longest. And the, the saddest part of it was he confessed to me. He said, I, I will never own my own home. 
he said, I've come to realize he's probably close to 60 now. He said, I probably will never own my own home because every five to eight years, I gave a woman I no longer liked a home <laughs> I had to start over. And I was like, what a, what a poignant way of looking at it. And I've quietly shared that with young police officers saying, you know, if we do this right and we learn how to love each other, regardless of the rough edges and realize this is, this is how partly how God made this person, we probably could actually pay a house off. You know, divorce is the, uh, you would think just from the financial cost alone, people would avoid it at all cost, uh, but they don't. You, people get so mad, they just can't handle it. Uh, statistically, you want, you want me to make you depressed, uh, and that's why we're here, is to depress as many people as possible. <laughs> is, uh, statistically, and there's always exceptions. So you always got to be careful when someone says statistically, because statistically, you know, hamburgers will kill you because most people who died ate a hamburger within 24 hours, you know, so uh, all in strike. However, say statistically, one of the one ways that you can virtually guarantee that you, your children and your grandchildren will live at or below the poverty level for their entire lives is get a divorce. Ouch. It, it is it is devastating. Now, that's not for everybody, obviously, but anyone who's been through it knows, yeah, this this is a little costly. This is a little painful. Yeah. Uh, wow. And it, and it echoes in the lives of children. And that's my mission is to keep good cops behind badges. And uh, unfortunately, the the divorce rate in in law enforcement is extremely high. So there's a huge need for this, even more so than in the church or uh, it, it almost meets um, overseas deployment military. Yeah, it, it's so high and it's so sad. And then w the snowball just keeps getting bigger as it goes downhill and it exacerbates because you know this better than I do. But once you've had a divorce, you're more likely to get another divorce, which means yeah. now you're four times more likely to get another divorce. And, yeah. you know, by the time the snowball hits the village at the bottom of the hill, it wipes everything out. <laughs> you know, you know, they uh, uh, say that the divorce rate is 50 percent. Uh, it, it's. It's only that's only true because repeat offenders still keep climbing back into the pool. It's, it's really true. First time marriages do not have a 50 50. I mean, like young people today are terrified of getting married. Why? It was 50. No, it's not. It's like it's really low. It's like 20 percent. Ah. And then if you come from a really good home, it drops dramatically. Yeah. Good home from the standpoint that your mom and dads are intact and you're, you're not repeating patterns and stuff like that so uh yeah it's not i mean it's all horsemen but it's only because repeat offenders keep climbing back in the world. and by the way there's a reason uh not often discussed but why uh, uh guys in your field that, that you work with or military guys have such stress in in their relationships and that is because of this you know everybody changes over time mm -hmm. everybody changes over time under stress people change more quickly, you start to accelerate the change. Now, under normal circumstances, uh, we go through the changes together and at a reasonable pace, and you can adjust accordingly. Although even then, a lot of people don't. You know, I mean, they're they're you know looking at each other, fifty-five years of age, and they don't even recognize each other anymore because they never adapted to the changes. And then they get divorced at fifty-five, which is insane. Now they lose all their savings and retirement. It's like I said, very expensive. But uh, what happens, like particularly with the military? Mm -hmm. uh, under stress, you change quicker. Anybody know anyone who's lost a child? Yeah. Anyone who's been through some uh, horrific event know that they change quickly. There's an accelerated change. But even in those cases, 
at least you're there with your spouse and you can at least try to adjust to the changes together. What happens with the poor military guys is the army separates them, then puts them under great stress for a year to a year and a half at a time, both the wife and the husband. And what happens is they start to accelerate in change. Then when they come back together after deployment, you know, they're happy to see each other. Everybody gets laid. Woo, it's great. And then, and then all of a sudden you realize, who is this person? I don't recognize you anymore. What? Because they weren't there for the change. And that's why their divorce rate is so high. But first uh, offenders can also, or first offenders. <laughs> all you criminals out there that you worry. Oh, first responders. There's a lot of first offenders out there too. I think I was a first offender at one time. Uh, first responders are also under a lot of pressure and yeah. a lot of stress. And what happens is they start accelerating change. And if they're not communicating that at home, mm -hmm. they're going to be staring at a stranger, both the wife or the husband, and they won't know why. And that's why. That's why it's in, you've got to be intentional about this. When you're in this kind of business, if you will, you have got to talk your stuff through or you both have to realize people change over time. I'm not the same obnoxious snot I was when I was 18. All right. I'm 66 years old now. I'm not, I'm just not the guy, but, uh, but you know, you're doing life together. You adapt to it, but man, I'm telling you, pull away from each other and you're going through stuff and you're not connecting. You're going to have a difficult time. This is really good stuff. I I'm picking up little gold nuggets. That's one of my phrases. I'm, I'm picking up gold nuggets as we go because that, that frames it in a way I've never been able to frame it for these, these young officers. And, and a lot of them are veterans. They they deployed to Afghanistan or Iraq and they fought and they were forced to take a life to save their own or, or that of a friend. And they come home and like what you just said, th that makes so much sense because they've they've been in another environment and they've changed significantly, stress, trauma, whatever. And then they come home and and parallel to them, but independently, their spouse has changed significantly. And uh, I wonder... Here's the good news is anybody can get along with anybody if you understand why they do what they do. Amen. My whole seminar, if you'll remember about it, is based on just getting people to understand each other. I'm not mm -hmm. trying to change anybody. I mean, I'll talk about bad behavior that needs to change. You know, there's some stuff, you know, you're, if you're having girlfriends on the side, that could be a problem. Yep. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I'm talking in general, I don't try to change men and I don't try to change women. I'm yeah. the whole time I'm trying to explain each other. This is why they do what they do. So even though someone changes, you can still get along with them and have a successful life, but not if you don't understand the changes. And mm -hmm. that's key. And I, we have actually my number one customer, in the, if you want to call it that, is the U.S. military. I the bulk of my stuff all comes from them, and I we've developed programs. Do you remember the flag page that we talk about at my mm -hmm. That is huge among military people, and and particularly for when they come back after. Uh, deployment or a traumatic event, like if it's a first responder, and 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 then to try and reconnect with them, you can get along with anybody if you understand why they do. But if you don't know why they do what they do, you'll always get angry and bitter. Mm -hmm. For example, in my seminar, I talk about how men tend to compartmentalize things. You mentioned that earlier, uh, and we do. Men put everything in a box, and the boxes don't touch. We don't, you know. Whereas women, everything's wired together. <laughs> so when she, when a guy is not connecting everything like she does, mm. she doesn't know why. She assumes it's because he's a jerk, because he's an insensitive butthead. Okay, mm. that's that's the go-to thing. When she's always connecting everything and he doesn't understand what she he just assumes, well, she's psychotic, you know, <laughs> she needs medication or whatever. 
because we always go to the, when you don't know why someone does what they do and you give the reason why it's almost always number one wrong. Yeah. Number two, it's always bad. Mm -hmm. The reason she does that is because blank, blank, blank. The reason he does it because blank, blank, and both are farther from the, when you start to understand why they do what they do. And that's the, the aha moments in, in my conference where all of a sudden they go, Oh, and it's mostly women. It really is. Because men really aren't trying that hard to figure anything out. <laughs> but, but women, are, when a woman goes, "Oh, that's the way. That's why he does that." Oh, that. And I talk about the nothing box. Men can literally sit and talk about, think about nothing. And I have had more. Paul, it's a fairly simple concept, right? Right. I guess I'm a genius in the simplicity. And actually, I just basically ripped off concepts from other guys that I've read before. I just made it more fun <laughs> and easier to understand. So it's it's just a very simple kind. I have had more people tell me, women tell me their marriages were saved because they understood the nothing about concept. Nothing. What? Are you you're in hell relationally <laughs> because you understand this one concept. Yeah, and now that you understood that, you're fine. Yeah. Why? Because every time that he would be quiet, she assumed he's quiet because he hates me. He's because he doesn't love me. Because and it's always a bad thing when you start to make him understand no he's quiet that's what guys do we don't you know the way a man relaxes is to stop thinking about stuff right but yeah. women the opposite if a woman women don't talk to their stuff they'll go crazy so you got these two worlds that are just but when you start to understand okay that's why they do okay she's not a witch all right <laughs> he's not demon possessed okay okay so and you start to understand it so here, here's a specific thing uh one of the most in this test that we do Helps couples understand just what makes them tick, right? Mm -hmm. By the way, the military actually uses these tests. Uh, special forces use it, and it's not for uh, marriages at all. It's just to help teams work better together. Oh. I, I would recommend a lot of these uh, departments, man, get this test and do it because it just helps people work better. You start to understand the people that are watching your back, okay? Yeah. So anyway, of all the motivations in life, one of them is called faithful. Here's the thing about someone who did you you did your flag. Do you remember your flag at all? The thing it's been so many years ago, yeah, but we yeah, it. it's been a while. Anyway, one of the things possible about faith. Here's one of the things about faithful people. They take relationships really seriously. Okay. Obviously, by the word faithful. But surprising to surprisingly, they're the kind of people they build an emotional fence around themselves. And if you get over the fence, you're in for life. You become a friend, you win some guy over who thinks like that that you're working with. He'll be your buddy to the day, day he dies. I mean, their, their connection is really impressive. They, really, But if you die crawling over the fence, they could care less. Or they're sitting there shooting at people trying to come over the fence, relationally speaking. They don't want to. You ask uh, relation, people who really like faithfulness, say they have many friends, and they almost all go, no. And I get because I always know what the answer is before I get there. So you got a lot of friends or just a few close friends? Oh, just a few close friends. Whereas relational people, probably like you and me, mm -hmm. Everybody's invited to our house. Come on over. This would is, this is be awesome. You know, we have lots of friends, but faithful people don't. So stop thinking about this. Let's say you are the way you are. Mm. We put you in a life or death situation, either military overseas or first responder situation. Who knows? Whatever. Pulling people out of houses. whatever. And you start to realize that you can't trust everybody. And there's some guys that you want with you in a rough situation. Everybody, every guy knows what I'm talking about. Okay. And they're all and probably they're all working with people. They think, dear Lord, don't put me with that guy. <laughs> you know? So all of a sudden, because of the pressure stuff, 
this latent faith, everybody has a degree of faithfulness, right? But all of a sudden it rises to the top. Now he really takes his relationship seriously. And as a result now, he starts to filter out other people. Now, if the wife is watching this, what does she think? He's walling himself away. Yeah. What's wrong with him? Yeah. You know, he doesn't care about people. Oh, maybe he needs to go through 37 years of counseling. You know, no, no, it's just, let, let's talk it through. Why is he acting this way? Because this is a big deal to him. And this mm -hmm. is how people like that. Now she goes, oh, okay, that's why he acts that way. Uh, now, here's the thing. You may not even like the way a person acts, but when you understand why they do it, it takes away the pressure. Let's say you go to work. And uh, your lovely wife is, you said she's a nurse or whatever? Yeah. Okay, so she goes to work and someone is just being a complete jerk to the point you think, what is wrong with her? I want to punch her in the face. And then you find out a couple hours later that her grandma died unexpectedly last night and uh, she couldn't be there. And, uh, you know, she really raised her because her parents weren't around and stuff. And, and now, okay, now, oh, that's why she's being a jerk and reacting. Now, here's the thing. The rest of the day, she's still that way. She'll stay a jerk, but you're not mad anymore. Why? Because now you know why she's being a jerk. Mm -hmm. If you just start to understand why people do what they do, but everybody makes these assumptions. So we think we all think the same as we did when we first got married. Well, no, unless you're made of stone, you're going to change. Again, in a normal situation, it takes decades to change and you adjust if you're using your brains at all. But mm -hmm. under pressure jobs, like the guys you're dealing with, mm -hmm. they will change more, quick, more quickly than their spouse does. Yeah. She's not trying to, no one's trying to kill her. <laughs> She's not trying to pull into out of bottom. She's just trying to get groceries together for tonight. You know what I'm saying? The guy starts to, and if you don't keep up with the why they're feeling the way they feel, she will not get angry at him. Why? She doesn't know why he's doing that. When she starts to understand why, oh, it changes everything and people connect again. Praise God. This is, this is, I wanted to do this interview, but I didn't realize that there were going to be these nuggets that I guarantee you are going to immediately bless these guys. It's, it's bigger and more than I even thought it was going to be. And this, this, this is new info. So people watching this, I didn't learn this in the Lackey Way to a Better Marriage because what Mark is talking about is geared towards more towards the military and first responders now. And so this is a this is a huge blessing to you guys out there listening. So take note. Um, and the then I'm talking about is called the flag page. You can go to flagpage.com. Yeah. Flagpage.com. It'll cost you 25 bucks. I mean, so what? Uh, and uh, the thing is just designed to explain why you do what you do. Mm -hmm. And a, a lot of people find it great healing just for themselves. They didn't even know why they act the way they do, much less their spouse. Yeah. You know, that's secondary. Most people are just jacked up. I don't know why I'm this way. How many people are that way? They just, I don't know why. I don't know what's going on in, in my own. And this thing helps you to figure this stuff out. There's a book that you can get that comes along with it. All of it's just designed, explain why you do what you do. Mm. You start to make that available to each other. And you talk through your crap and all the reasons why. All of a sudden, there's this, ah, oh, the tension just drops. And, and the thing is, everybody's of value, even if you're, no, it doesn't matter who you are, really. If you're a quiet person and everyone's talking to anybody, there's probably a reason. Does she know the reason? Yeah. Does he know the reason? Nice. You know? Uh, and then you find out answers. For example, let's say a woman is the kind of woman she's wired. She has to constantly talk through her feelings. Mm -hmm. And 
her husband can't stand it. You know, what's the answer? Well, get a girlfriend. You know, get together with the girls. But and 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 a lot of see, some some of these guys are just dumb as bricks. They don't want their wives to go out with their girlfriends for whatever reason. You know, maybe it's insecure. I don't know what it's deal. So, and I say, I, I would say, listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> don't let her go. Do you know what that means? She is going to stick a straw in your brain and suck whatever living life force out of you. She has to talk to people. For the love of God, let her do it with her girlfriends. Give them a hundred bucks and let them get up. So they come back. They're happy. You're happy. She's not pulling on your brain, but they don't want to talk to her. And kind of go, go, no, you didn't say, oh, well, now he's created the nightmare scenario that he's living in, right? <laughs> she, she, oh, man, I'm telling <laughs> a lot. You know, there's a lot of guys that don't like their wives hanging out with their family for whatever reason. Oh, I don't like her mom. Oh, you moron. You should have thought that through before you marry the girl. All right. <laughs> still, if you don't let her take those connections, she'll try to get everything from you. And most guys can't handle it. But see what the guy assumes, I don't need it, so you shouldn't need it. See, everyone should be like me. So yeah. why are you spending time with your mom and your sisters? You know, uh, you should just be home with me because that's the way he is. He doesn't want to talk to his mom. <laughs> he can't stand his own sisters. <laughs> it's amazing he's in jail for beating up his brothers. All right. So he doesn't understand it. But I said, you don't understand what you're doing. You're setting up a scenario where now she will try to suck the life out of you trying to make you into her mothers and sisters. Yeah. Best case scenario, I, I got a call from a, a couple in Canada. They're getting ready to get married. Mm. And this ignoramus, God bless his heart, lays down the law. They're like, oh, six weeks from marriage. I said, what's the problem, Sheila? Well, he just declared that as soon as we get married, he expects me not to spend any more time with my family. And I think... <sighs> <laughs> Why people do what they do, I don't understand. Okay, but th that's them. All right. Yeah. So I try to get. Th do you understand? If you don't let her connect with her family, she is going to talk you into an early grave. She is going to constantly be trying to connect with you, and you're not going to be able to handle. I hope we got through to him. I don't know if she had any sense. She'd have dumped his butt and moved on. Oh, what a who said something like that. We're getting married from now on, woman. You can't go to the store anymore. I mean, I mean, what kind of <laughs> stupid thinking was that? But anyway, people are who they are. I just want to get people you don't understand. Uh, unless you are like you and me, we like to chat. Uh, mm -hmm. most guys don't. If your wife, if you don't allow your wife to get some, I'll tell you the guys who are the happiest that are regular guys, check with their wives. They're always hanging with their girlfriends, talking with their moms, and the guys at peace. He's good. For some reason, there's guys who don't want their wives to do this, to connect with others. Don't why are you going to church all the time? Well, let them do their thing, so they're not doing it to you. I have a oh, friend. Okay, see now I'm married to a woman who drops me to death. I used to do it to my wife. <laughs> I thought I was at the top of the food chain. I am not. I am. I am. You know, in the evolutionary chain, I'm just a rabbit. You know. You know. She's way up here. Thank God. She talks to her mom and her sisters. And whenever she says to me, do you mind if I do a girl's night? Oh, no, please go. <laughs> by, all, by all means, <laughs> how much money do you need? You know, so I encourage it. She just said, can I get more involved in the church? I'm thinking, oh, yeah, <laughs> please. You, you, you said, 
it reminded me of a friend of mine was overseas working and I won't say where and what, but he was working with a man uh, building an aircraft, very wealthy man who had uh, multiple wives and that man's particular religion, uh, his, his sect of that religion, his wives were not allowed to speak to any man but him. And I went, oh, oh crap. And so the, the head wife, would they would go into a, a store and my friend was walking along taking the specs of the aircraft and the guy uh the guy's wife would come up and say whisper in his ear this is what we want and and then go back and he finally turned to the guy and said well can i ask you a question the guy's like sure and they go off to the side and he says um i've noticed a couple of things here your 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 wife is she she comes up and, and these women have like negotiated out what they want to buy and they all get the same thing and the guy, the guy's like, well, yes. And he goes, why, why do the, all of your wives have to have the same clothing? And, and he looks at him and he says, do you have any idea how hard it is to keep that many women happy? And I, I was like, I was dying when he told me this. And my friend goes, you know, part of me was jealous of him until that moment. <laughs> I started laughing even more. And I said, but here's the thing. And it builds on what you just said. I said, I love my wife. But if if I was the only person that could hear her voice, she would drive me crazy. Yeah. Oh no, it's it's this idea that that's what's supposed to happen is absurd. Now, you don't want the wife to have a boyfriend. No. You know, don't have no and some make that mistake. Uh, hey, let's be real, right? She meets some guy down at such and such and he's real nice and he gets her laughing and stuff. I always tell my man, don't be laugh, you know, when a woman laughs at a guy, you know what a guy she thinks Oh, he's highly entertaining. He thinks she wants to have sex with me. You know, if you know, if she's really men think like that. Yeah. <laughs> so watch yourself. Go have all the fun you want with your girlfriends, but you know, don't you don't want her trying to find this from another guy. That's why you want to encourage it. Yeah. You know, I had this guy. You know, you know, you have these uh, counseling sessions where you got to put on a helmet and a flak jacket. You know, just to walk in the room, people are crazy. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's all mad and stuff because she she's just torturing him. Mm. And they were, I forget where they were at. And I said, I asked his wife, do you have any friends? She goes, no. And that right away said an alarm. I says, well, are you from this area? She says, no, no, I'm from uh, Seattle or something like that. And and here's, and, and the advice, advice I'm about to give is you can't control. I get it. We all got to go where we can get work, right? It is what it is. But women tend to make their closest friends where they grow up. And what this guy did is, despite her protests, moved her away from her family and friends mm. to a new place. And it wasn't even that bit much better of a job. I said, do you realize what you've done? Now she is only going to have your world that she wants to pull from. And it was killing him. And I was advising guys, if you can, keep the girl as close to her family as you possibly can. Now, a lot of guys get insecure about this because they don't like the family, which, by the way, if you're single and you can't stand the girl's family, move on. <laughs> For heaven's sakes. So yeah. guys, they're way beyond that. Don't, don't, especially if you're, a, a, won't let her talk on the phone and stuff to them. I mean, you just, they don't realize what they do. But I always advise, keep the girl as close to your family as humanly possible. If you want to live in Los Angeles, don't marry a girl from Chicago. If you want to live in Florida, don't marry a girl from Green Bay. I mean, that's just my best advice because despite the bravada, and now I will criticize the women. Women say they're great at relationships, right? They're full of crap. They're horrible at relationships. You, you want to see people, <laughs> women argue, just get a bunch of women together. They can't stand each other. I think, yeah. what? 
You guys always claim you're great at relationships. You guys are horrible. Says, no, we're not. We're, we're communicating. We can't stand each other. Well, how is that great? Here's the thing, Paul. I just met you. I got the feeling if you and I were the earshot of each other, we'd become best buddies hanging out and doing all kinds of stuff that should get us in trouble uh, within a couple of weeks. Honestly, yeah. women don't do that. Women don't. They don't make friends. Despite all they talk about, they don't make friends very easily. Right. So you want to encourage her to make friends. My advice, easiest path, keep her close to her home. Because that. But if you move away, encourage her to make friends. Don't be fighting that. Because I know a lot of guys who fight it for whatever insecure reasons they have, and it creates a nightmare for them. Man, let them. You know, you can have in the same block 10 women within walking distance from each other uh, who are like at a church. They all go to the same church and stuff like that. And you know what they do? They're, they're lonely all day long. Mm. They're lonely. I'm talking stay-at-home moms. They're lonely all, the, all day long. And, and what's odd about it is if, if the roles were reversed, and sometimes they are. Guys will stay home, take care of the kids, whatever. But if you're staying home with the kids, and I'm staying home with the kids, and Bob stayed home with the kids, and we're within a 10-block You know what we're going to do? Let's all get together, man. Let's take the kids of this. Right? Yeah. It's what men do. Let's get, man, let's get, I don't want to do this by myself. It's driving me crazy, you know? Let's, let the kids play with each other so I don't have to deal with the little demons, right? Mm -hmm. Women won't do that. They will bear it all. They will bear their three minutes from each other. And both of them will be lonely as they can possibly be because it's just hard for them. You know, I don't know. You know, it's like... <laughs> I'm fortunate enough in life that I can hire a cleaning woman. All right. All right. Do you know what wives do before the woman cleaning woman comes? They clean. <laughs> <laughs> I've experienced this. It's, it's just not insane. I, mean, <laughs> I guarantee you that you or me or any of the guys watching this, we hire a, a cleaning woman's going to work. We're going to go, oh, thank God. We're just going to leave the place and let her straighten it out. But, but not the women. <laughs> I don't. I don't know, man. It all makes me crazy. They think different. It's. It is amazing. We we talked before we started this briefly about how men and women might as well be two separate species, and our culture is teaching men and women. Oh, you guys are exactly the same, which is a load of baloney. Yeah. And I, I had a conversation with a young woman that was getting ready to get married, and she was in. She was blue family. She was in the first responder side of things, and she was talking about how. Uh, this gentleman, uh, you know, we think so much alike and this and that and the other. And I'm like, I, I'm just going to tell you a truth that you probably don't want to hear past the salt and the light and the sugars and a couple of chemicals that make your gray matter and his gray matter work the same. There's oxytocin and testosterone and all these different things that go through your brain that I learned a lot about that from you and started researching it. I said, literally the way that you process something and the way that he processes the exact same event are completely different. And she's like, well, how so? And years ago, there was a young man that threatened my wife. And he he put his finger like this up underneath my wife's nose. And, he, and she had told him a truth he didn't want to hear. And he goes, nobody talks to me like that. And he bowed up to hit my wife. Well, we both received the same input of data. My wife shrank back. She's a nurturer. She's diminutive in size. She's five foot one. She's 130 pounds. I'm 216 pounds and six foot four, and I'm full of testosterone. This guy <laughs> physically threatened my wife, and I went, Rawr! and yeah. my wife completely emasculated this guy because she looked to me like, 
are you going to protect me? And then she went, oh, you're going to kill him. And she looked back at him and she grabbed this dude that had just threatened to hurt her, spun him around and shooed him to his pickup truck. And, <laughs> and when I shared this, totally emasculated this guy. When I shared this with this young lady, I said, listen, we respond to the exact same input completely differently. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we all see this, right? And and now, you know, Congress, you can't use father and mother. You have to say parent, you know, because the, they are trying to say there's no difference. I will say, and this is going to sound very odd, in their defense, hmm. uh, to give the other side of this, um, where they react to is, and I even do this in my seminars, and I try and make it clear. I'm not saying all women are this way. I'm not saying all men are because clearly they're not. Yeah. I say there's always exceptions and then you can, uh, but even still in marriage, we tend to find the opposite. Not overwhelming the evidence is they tend to think these ways. So I always present it that way, but always keep the wide open door. People sometimes ask me, well, does your material work for same sex couples? Now, from a religious standpoint, you know, that depending on your religion, so right. that's not okay, you know, but. I'm not a lot of people are not hiring me for my religious views or hiring for my relational views. They say, Well, this work with same sex sex couples. I say, Absolutely. Then what do you mean? It says, Well, because one, and this is true, even of these couples, one will be way more logical and the other one will be way more emotive. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're basically playing out the same scenarios, you know. So, so from their standpoint, I get what they're trying to say. They want everyone not to have their feelings hurt, and you can't hurt anybody's feelings today for any reason at all. And if you describe a woman a certain way, then you're evil. So therefore, we can't refer to people as men and women. And and the rest of us think, oh, these people are out of whatever. Right. You know. You just like in their defense, you can't describe everybody a certain way. But that all that to say, this still works. It's still the same concept. I don't care how you package it, right? <clears throat> You know, my it's funny you say that because my wife and I had that conversation when I was telling her that I was going to have the opportunity to interview you. And she's like, you know, she's like, you and I don't meet the stereotypes that of men that are men are more this way and women are that way. And she's like, we cross over a lot of those barriers and boundaries between the two of us. And I said, well, babe, everybody does to some degree. Like it's it, it's very rare to find a guy that's only this way and a gal that's only that way. And even in my parents' relationship, my mom was a much more, a, a, a not, I don't always say assertive, but my mom's very protective and she has very set opinions on things. And my dad was very laid back and okay, cool. And 90% and of the stuff, okay, that's no big deal. And then he would fight to, to the death over the, that last 10%. But I, I literally like, a long, long time ago, and it's a, it's, it's a huge story, but I'll, I'll give it for two seconds. My dad was running a Christian service camp, like for, for kids to go away for two weeks for summer camp. And a guy trespassed and threatened my dad with a revolver, like that he was going to shoot my dad. And my dad, uh, he's passed, but he was a peacemaker and, you know, didn't, didn't fight past his childhood and was, you know, was a blessed are the peacemakers kind of guy. My mom was pregnant with me and she literally pointed a 22 rifle at the guy's head from from the yeah and was like because the guy's threatening to shoot my dad and my mom was like i don't think so <laughs> and my mom uh god bless her i have a lot of my mom's personality and i have, a, I have i'm a slow to anger guy so i have my dad's fuse but when we get to that keg of dynamite it's got my my mom's name written all over it i have that that temper and the funny thing is the guy 
freaked out when he realized he had a long gun trained on him and he panicked and he fled. So my dad comes back up and he's like, he's like, you know, you can't do that. And she looks at him and she goes, I'm not going to raise your children without you. It's <laughs> <laughs> so men and women. Yeah, I was trying to say you. I just didn't want to be stuck with your kids. <laughs> That's awesome. And you know, my mom's very loving and nurturing, but if, if you want to back, if you wanted to back one of them into a corner and figure out who was coming out swinging, my money's on my mom. <laughs> That's all right. That's great. Cool. Life is crazy. How huh? things are not as they appear. We go in, for example. Oh my. <laughs> That's awesome. I see everybody sitting there thinking, oh, he's got he's wearing he's got glasses. No, I don't have anything in there. No. You say, why is that? I, I actually do wear glasses, but when I do it, you get ah reflection. So those of us who do interviews and TV and stuff, all that learn. You just put them on without them. <laughs> it's uh, so th there's two versions of this podcast. There's the video version, and for those of you who are at home listening to the audio version, going, what, <laughs> "What happened?" He just stuck his fingers through the holes of his glasses to demonstrate that there's no glare on his glasses. I had noted that earlier, and I was like, "That's impressive." Uh, <laughs> so he's wearing fake glasses in order to to not have the glare on screen. That makes uh -huh. a lot of sense. Um, so if you have the time, I wanted to talk about a couple things you had talked about. And if you're willing to give away a couple gold nuggets, um, and by no means do, am I saying don't go buy the DVD, don't go buy the book because you need both. You need to buy everything I have in bulk. Go there right away. MarkUnger.com, MasterCard, Visa is accepted. Boom. So, so my wife and I, I, I had this very sudden, oh crap moment in your in your seminar because you talked about the three priorities of a man and a woman and what order those are in, sex, food, sleep. And when you when every guy was nodding around the room that, that sex was our highest priority as men, my wife was aghast. She's looking at me like, what planet are you from? And then my heart hit my toes because you flipped it around and you said, now ladies, what are your priorities? And I'll let you go into this. And I looked at my wife and she's nodding vigorously me and I was like, oh crap. And then if you're willing to talk about that a little bit, how I don't even remember what you're talking about. Oh, okay. So this blessed me so much. We were we were in this uh we were in this uh seminar and you made the comment you said now guys there's there's three priorities that men and women have it's you need food you need sleep you need sex and they said if you ask a man and you started with men and the room is full of guys nodding what your highest priority is you would say sex and I'm nodding like yeah and every guy we're making eye contact and nodding like, well, yeah. And every woman was like, no, no way. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you've been married to us for how long? And then he goes, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, he, or he, you go sex, food, then sleep. Because a guy will stay up, make a sandwich, eat it, and then go to bed. He'll get a little <laughs> less sleep to make sure he gets sex or food. And my wife was looking at me like, what planet are you from? And then my heart hit my toes because you made the comment and you said, now, guys, this is gonna this is gonna freak you out, but it's flipped for a woman. It's sleep, then food, then sex. And I was like, I am so. Oh, I remember when I, I was quoting something from a, a survey published by USA Today. They say the number one need among men was sex. Yep. Number two was food. Number yep. three was sleep. For, yep. They did the same survey with women. The number one receipt was sleep <laughs> and food. And sex, yeah. So I encourage guys, you know, okay, 
Well, take the kids for a while. Let them peel your brain like a banana. Let your wife take a nap. Why? Get that one out of the way. She wakes up from her nap. Go make her a sandwich. Make me a sandwich. Go make Why? Now you got that out of the way. Now what do you want to do? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, and see, I have blessed more marriages in the front seat of cop cars, talking to first responders at the, the bus barn for the fire department, than I can shake a stick at because these guys are like, you know, we, we've got our third kid and my wife never wants to have sex and she's always stressed out. And she's like, what's wrong with you? You want sex. And I and I I will relate that story. And I always credit you. And um, and Which then I don't have to do. <laughs> well, I want people to read your stinking book. because okay. <laughs> it, Those things have blessed me immeasurably. And I'm a my personality type. I'm an ENFP. And I want to see you succeed because I'm made happy by it. So right. that's that's why I've ended up doing what I do. Uh, but the end result, I'll tell these guys now, listen, you can hack this and you, you can make this work in your favor because take the stress off your wife. The, the, the number one need a woman has is sleep. Most women have trouble sleeping. They need more sleep than you do. It shortens their life if they don't get it. And they might shorten your life if they don't get it. So why don't you go home and say, Hey babe, I'm going to take the three kids and I'm going to play with them in the yard for a bit. I'll wake you up from your nap. Don't set an alarm. And I'm going to make dinner. And I said, guess what you've just taken care of? And then I get this little sly half smile from these guys who go, uh-huh, okay, that makes sense. And, and it's funny because it's See, because that's the relational physics. See, that works all the time. No matter what you believe, no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how educators, that just always works. It's like stepping off the roof. It's always going to fall down. Yeah, exactly right. And, and you taught me another thing in that seminar that I never forgot. And I'd love to have you talk about the point system a bit, but I learned so much by the point system. And at first, when you first shared it, my, my heart hit my toes again, because I thought, how can I win? And then you laid it out. And I did a date night with my wife that she talked about for weeks. I took her in my pickup truck to the top of a hill in a state park. It was a $20 date. We, we cooked food in a fire pit, watched the sun go down and watched Hulu holding hands, sitting in two chairs side by side. And she talked about it for weeks after. And to your point, without stealing your thunder, you made the comment, ding, 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 ding. Because guess what she talked about to all of her girlfriends? Ding, 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 ding. Exactly right. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind unpacking the point system a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So uh, men... And women keep score, but we keep keep, keep score differently. Mm. From a man's perspective, any anything a guy does uh, in his mind is worth huge amounts of points. Because <laughs> we're men, right? We get up in the morning, 500 points just for that. <laughs> we go to work, especially if you're a firefighter. You know, I've got a dangerous job, man. That's 4,000 points just for that. Come home, you know. I, I didn't stop off at the bars or chase other women. There's a big, so a guy sits down, it's like 8,000 points for the day. And then his wife is wanting him to do stuff. And he says, what's wrong with you? I'm waving points for the day. It's your turn to catch up. Man, every guy knows what I'm talking about, right? We just think it's unfair. The problem is the way women count is very simplistically. They give one point for everything. You get up in the morning, ding, one point. You go to your hard job, ding, one point. You come home faithfully, ding, one point. You walk in the door, you got three. All right? Now, she also got up. She had her job. She cleaned the toilet, took kids a piano lesson. She had to cook dinner. It's, you walk in the door, it's 13 to three. And I was going, she wants to yell at you because you're not doing your thing. So yeah. anyway, the thing is to get to figure out how to make it work for you. Mm -hmm. uh, now, the problem here is that men don't understand the system. They think in order to earn a point, it has to be big. 
and we're guys, right? It's not that we're bad. Look, from the time we were raised as little kids, right? All that mattered is who was the fastest, who's the smartest, who's the strongest, right? Who was the best at baseball? Who's the best at football? Who's the best at tennis? You know, no one cared about who came in second. You had to be the best. And we kind of get jobs where we do that. A lot of guys do what they do for a living just because they're better at it than anybody else. They get praised for it. A lot of these guys, they go and they're whatever they're doing for a living as, as, a, as, a, as a first responder, as opposed to a first offender. <laughs> and, <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. Anyway, uh, so we're drawn to that and, and we think these are points. So a guy thinks he, it has to be big. So if a guy's going to go buy roses for a woman, he won't just buy one rose, okay? Because one rose, one point. Guy's going to go out and drop, I don't know how much is it for a dozen rows? It's a bunch of money, right? Yeah. And you come with a big production. A guy's always got to be the big production and stuff. What guys don't understand is when you hand her the dozen roses, you know how many points you still got? One. It makes no difference. At, at the seminar, I remember, I said, how many of you women here would rather receive a single rose 12 different times or a dozen more roses once? And virtually every woman in the room lifted her hands. And the guys are looking around in horror. <laughs> like, what? Are you kidding? <laughs> you know, and listen, I've been teaching this for 20 years. To this day, it's hard for me to stop and get a single rose. I, it just goes against our thinking, right? But we've, we just got to simplify. Women reward the smallest of things. But this is why guys usually only go out for their wives, you know, four times a year. Birthday, anniversary, Christmas, and the obligatory Valentine's Day, right? You were all forced to do something. And we do something, you know, spend a bunch of money or something really thoughtful. And we think, well, that'll hold her. No, you just got four points. For all freaking year, you got to realize it's little. But the good thing is that a woman will judge all kinds of things as a, as a point. You clean off the table, ding. You know, you uh, having her dry the dishes, ding. You know, there's all kinds of things you can do all day long where you're constantly because women will reward virtually any simple act of kindness mm-hmm. with a point. And guys can score big that are just little tiny simple to them. It's a big stinking deal. And if you, in, in response to your analogy, if you can get her some to do something that gets her talking to her friends about it, then you make out like a bandit. Because every time she tells her husband, her girlfriend, what you did or what you're going to do, ding, 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 and you're not doing anything. You're just earning points. She comes home, she's just grinning from ear to ear. Why? He thinks you're amazing. What'd you do? He didn't do anything. Then she got a chance to brag you up. That's why I always tell guys, a lot of guys think, you know, I'm, I'm going to surprise my wife. I'm going to do something. I said, don't tell something. You know, most women actually don't like surprises. Some do. Figure out your own. But a lot of times, if if you're going to plan a special night, tell her ahead of time. Hey, guess what, baby? On the 14th, uh, such and such day, I'm going to take you out to dinner. I got this restaurant all picked out. Something. The minute you tell her what you're going to do, ding. And you haven't done anything yet. Amen. And every time for the next six, seven days, whatever, she's going to tell you, guess what? Guess what Bob's doing? He's taking me such a every time she tells another woman what you're going to do, ding, 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 and you're not doing a freaking thing. And then you finally take her, ding, you've made out like a bandit from one simple act of kindness. Put it in her language. But guys don't respond so much to the small little things. That's why women get so mad at us. You know, why don't he pick up his underwear? Well, who cares? You know. Because to us, it's got to be big to get a point or, or a series of points. Again, we're wired. It's got to be significant. Fine. But to a woman, it's not. It's got to be the other way around. You want to earn a point? Pick up your underwear. She yeah. walked in. You picked up your underwear. Ding. You know, he, he made the bed when he didn't have it. Ding. 
little things, all the stuff that you step over and walk over and ignore all the time. These are opportunities that you are throwing away. Mm. The good news for a guy is this. All y'all, some of you are working way too hard in your marriages <laughs> and failing miserably because you're looking for big special things once in a while. No, no, no. Look for the little things. You can make out like a bandit getting all kinds of emotional points from your wife mm. the simplest of ways. Instead of dropping a hundred grand for uh, for a bunch of roses, <laughs> see that one rose that they're selling for a dollar on the set because it's going to die in the next day. <laughs> Buy that one. Bring it home. And you get the same response as yeah. the dozen roses. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's great. Now, always exceptions to this stuff, right? Some women, they want the dozen roses and the airplane flying over. The, you know, if that's what you got, then work hard because it's going to cost you a lot of money. But most women don't think that way. It's yeah. the littlest things. And what do we do? We ignore the little things all day long. And then I tell to women, tell women, the reason we ignore things is not because we're evil. Men are not evil. It's just that we're men. We are built in a system that we think small things don't matter. Yeah. All right. But guys, you're the one who wants to, to win. You got to do the little things. By the way, speaking of winning, I was with a, a bunch of pastors last year in uh, Israel. Mm. And we're doing this tour. It's a horrible tour, actually. We were some tour guides. They had to explain every rock by the side of the road for an hour and a half. And it was <laughs> had visions of taking my own life. It was just horrible. Just shut up. All right. So anyway, at some point during a break from these endless lectures from seven in the morning till seven at night, wow. these pastors all got together and, and they knew who I was. And they said, okay, Mr. Relationship Man, give us some advice. <laughs> and I thought for a minute, and a lot of these guys were older than me. You know, I'm a geezer. I was the junior geezer on this trip. And uh, I said, okay, you know all those stupid fights that you have about this, that, and the other around the house? Now, yeah. I said, just let the girl win. What do you care? Yeah. What do you care where the chair is? What do you care what the curtain is hung? What do you care about this, that? Just let her win. And this older pastor looked at me and said, pastor, why would we let the girl win? I said, because I want to get laid. <laughs> <laughs> They all burst out laughing. I said, oh, you morons, what are you thinking? I want to get laid. If that means let her do whatever she wants with the house, just let her do it. Assuming, you know, we're not talking, you know, $50,000 <laughs> upgrades to the home or something. But the little things, we argue about the stupid, how, how the toilet paper is hung. And who, who cares? Yeah. Who cares when we get mad about stuff? And I'll tell you, now, did you have kids from your first marriage? Yeah. Okay. So one of the big things for people who are starting over again is the battle with kids. Oh, that is brutal. And, uh, it's, and uh, two answers to that. One, I always tell guys, make sure you don't have a poverty mentality. There's a lot of Americans who live in absolute poverty in their heads. There's never enough of anything. Everything is always a limited pie. If you if someone gets a bigger piece of pie, someone's not going to get a bigger, another slice of pie. And they feel, well, if I love my kid, uh, her kid more than my own kid, then my kid, Robin Frank, you know, don't be an idiot. That's not the way life works. It's think more ocean. If I want to get a bucket of ocean and you want to get a truck of ocean and Paul wants to back up and get five semis of ocean, who cares? It doesn't matter. You can't drain it no matter how hard you try. We could intentionally all work together to drain the ocean. It's a joke. It'll never happen. That's real life. So realize you can love whoever, and it's not going to take from anybody else. All right, number one. 
Don't have a poverty mentality. Have an abundant. Don't think pie. Think ocean. Amen. Uh, and number two. Where do you stop a conversation like this for a sponsor break? I could not stop the flow of this live. So I'm coming back in post and I'm, I'm bringing just a moment to talk about the people that make this podcast possible. And uh, then we'll get right back to this conversation because it is amazing. So I am, I am thankful. I'm grateful to have three sponsors. So I have gentle response, John Leo Riley. I love seeing what he does hands on, uh, stress induced de-escalation and training. You are literally forced into an environment where you're uncomfortable and things are coming at you fast because that's how the real world works. And he takes an entire career of law enforcement, brings in uh, other law enforcement with him, active or retired. I'm not sure all the details on that. I've seen his team, uh, some of the video footage from his team. I'm looking forward to training with his team. He brings an amazing he brings an amazing platform to the table, and um, I guarantee you it will stretch you in new ways. And I have seen uh, it bless uh, churches and organizations because when you're put in those stressful situations is when you find out if you really know what you think you know. And it's a great way to learn because if you can learn it under stress, you're more likely to retain it. Uh, and then uh, Got Your Six Coffee. I love their coffee. I, I have a cup just around the corner. Uh, as I as I record this, um, all about that. And uh, the reason I like that company so much, it's not just that they have award-winning uh, coffee. It's not just that it's delicious. It's not just that it charges me, with, you know, so I can go do my day. It's literally the fact that they take their net profits and pass what it costs to survive. They give them away to causes that I care about, to the causes that are out there taking care of those who put on a uniform and, and serve our nation every day, law enforcement, EMT, paramedic, firefighter, and veteran causes. And I am grateful for that. So shout out to Eric Hadley with Got Your Six Coffee, followed by my buddy Matt Combs with Shield Force International. At the time of this recording, I actually had uh, just, we had just done an interview with him for the church safety guys. He's a friend, he's a mentor, he's very high speed. And talking about uh, some of his training, and he's actually moving to some online training and uh, to where he can actually interact with people over greater distances. And he travels, uh, travels to churches, travels to law enforcement departments and trains with them directly. So imagine training an active shooter uh, drills in the facility that you need to protect. Imagine uh, working through those scenarios in an environment that you are, uh, that you are uh, in every day. That's the kind of stuff that he brings to the table. Matt's a friend, Matt's a mentor. I can't wait to see some of the stuff he's got coming down the pipe, uh, including some advanced training for some of the stuff I've already taken. So let's get right back to this interview. I've learned five words as I've gotten into a marriage with a woman who her husband had cheated on her and new kids and stuff like that. And and, and here's my key to success. I, I say these five words to myself all the time. And it's just shut the hell up. <laughs> I'm sorry, six words. I add my name. Just shut the hell up, Mark. Just shut the hell up. I, I say to myself all the time. Nobody hears it. And I just, and I go, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Some of the stuff you think you have to say, no, you don't. <laughs> well, I, I, this is so important. And I don't want anybody to miss this because when my wife and I first got married, I'm sitting in the living room and I'm folding towels correctly. So I'm sitting there and I'm folding them in half and in half again and in half again. And I'm like, look at me. I'm, I'm a man and I'm helping. <laughs> and so as I'm sitting there and 
uh, she looks at me and she goes, you didn't fold that right. And I'm thinking, the, the, what the heck? I absolutely <laughs> folded that right. This is the way everybody has folded towels from time and on. And not. And she goes, well, she's like, it's not that you folded it wrong. She goes, you have to fold it in, in half and then in thirds because that's the only way it fits in the cabinet above the toilet. Uh-huh. And I went, oh, because there's a little linen cabinet up there. And I went, I went, oh, and that's what I tell these young police officers and first responders. I'm like, look, um, you you came from a house that's an over the back rolling house. And she came from a house that's an over the front rolling house for the toilet paper. Um, you came from a house that you stacked all the dishes in the sink. And then and then the unlucky soul that was was tasked with it had to put it all in the dishwasher. And I'm like, and I'm like, listen. And I take them back to your seminar because I'm like, look, I learned a decade ago in that seminar that I can keep making tiny incremental deposits, a penny a day doubled, right? I can make these tiny little deposits into the bank account of, of my wife's affection for me. And then when I when I pull an ox poo moment and I mess up, then my wife goes, oh, okay. And when I, when I have a $100 withdrawal because I messed up, and I spilled acetone on the coffee table in the living room, which may or may not have actually happened. And, and I may have done that over on this table over here. <laughs> I, won't, I won't admit it. Actually, it's still still there. I'll never fix it. I ain't gonna fix it. I don't care. Well, Go ahead, and yes. you make that withdrawal, and you didn't mean to, and you have a lunkhead moment. And I'm like, look, um, my wife has come to realize that I'm an armload of laundry at a time guy, but she's also come to realize that. Um, I'm going to pick my dish up and I'm going to put it in the dishwasher or I'm going to unload the dishwasher. And you mentioned in your, in your seminar that you're like, that's a moral dilemma for a guy, put the thing in the <laughs> dishwasher, but the dishwasher is full. And I, I had to overcome that moral dilemma. I forgot about that. That's right. What are we doing? And so I, I, I've come to realize that if I put a load of laundry into the washing machine, as I go out to feed the livestock, that's a point. And then when I come back in and I put it in the dryer, that's a point. And when I put the clothes on the on the couch, because that's where they live until we fold them, that's a point. And the point system helped me to understand. And my wife is an acts of service love language person. That's like her biggest love language is do this for me. And I had to sh- change my thinking because I was like, well, I'm not your ranch hand. And then I had to realize that's how she receives love. And I, I, I had this young cop that was really struggling to understand me. And I said, OK, look at it this way. You're a lion. And she's she's like an antelope and you're married. And so you 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 eat meat and she eats grass. And he's like, OK. And I said, and you're a lion. So you drag home this big pile of meat and flop it down and go dinner is served. But that's not how she receives love. And so you need to bring home grass. And he's like, OK, I'm with you. And I said, and then she goes and knocks a wildebeest in the head and she drags it home and plops it down. In, or not a not a wildebeest, but she brings home a, a bale of hay and she drops it in front of you, rather. And you're a lion and you're like, Blech, because we all want to unconsciously give the way that we receive love to yes. other people. That's good. And, and I, I share that with these young guys and gals. And I'm like, look. If you're if you're an antelope, knock a wildebeest in the head and drag it home. If you're a lion, go grab a bale of hay and bring it home. And I tease my wife. There's there's um, two two secrets to our marriage, and she's like, "Oh yeah, what's that?" I'm like, "Every other week, I surprise you with flowers." And based on what you taught me, it doesn't have to be a lot of flowers. And I'm a rose guy. She doesn't like roses, so guess what? Get the girl what she wants, right? You taught me that. And then I turn around and I say, the other thing is I bring her home smoked meats of some kind. I bring her home food. She is definitely not a vegan. 
And so I surprised her <laughs> two I surprised her two days ago with a, a chef salad out of the blue. So she didn't have to make lunch for herself. And those little things, I'm always trying to make deposits into that bank account because I know, I know I'm going to make withdrawals. So I showed you the big, the big book. Yeah. The zillion words in it, which women love because words is the language of lady land. Mm. And, uh, and most guys look at this and go, uh, but uh, actually it's, it's a great book. I say that because there's whole chunks of it I didn't write at all. And, uh, <laughs> and anyone who's ever done a, a big book project knows what I'm talking about. You, you, you work with others and editors get this and that. And somebody puts in a thought, oh, yeah, it's a great thought, you know. And uh, a lot of times in the interviews, I'll have a guy say, you know, in your book, you say such and such. And I go, I did? <laughs> <laughs> and they'll say, yes, yeah, on page 178. And I look at it and go, huh. Yeah, that is good. But I didn't say it. That was somebody, you know, it's like when you're working on it, because it took us like three years to do this thing and all these people working together. So there's times I pick it. I'm, I am a bit of a narcissist, but not that bad, uh, where I'll pick up the book on rare occasions, start reading it, and I'll go, dang, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, because in fairness, we all need a reminder because I don't care how I don't, we're, we're guys. We need reminders. That's why yeah. I rewatch your laugh your way to a better marriage thing, your seminar, because. Uh, I need it. I need it annually just to remind me to stop being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we all need that. So anyway, having said that, yes. my subsequent books are much smaller. Really? Yes, because I want men to read them. <laughs> and we're not going to read gigantic with 1850. And I have a lot of, you know, pictures. Ooh, pictures. And stuff. Yeah, because, you know, we're visual, right? And that looks a lot easier to read than does, does that, that magnifying glass treat her like a truck? Is that what that's called? Yeah, yeah that's so that's the book. <laughs> treat her like a truck. So, so, but then I have a woman's version called uh, Treat Him Like a Dog. Now, the, the premise here is we all, you know, a lot, a lot of people uh, in my field, whatever that means. Mm. Say that the key is to teach people relational skills. And I get it to a degree. And that's what you're doing. Some of your analogies with guys with teaching relational skills. The argument in this book, for simplicity's sake, because I, I say you don't need to learn anything. We all have the skills we need right now that we use all the time, every day. You just need to apply them towards each other. So mm. I go through and talk about, from guys' perspective, uh, how to do what you already do and apply it to the girl. You know, treat her like a truck. What are some of the chapters here? Uh, treat her like a sports car. Treat her like a teammate. Treat her like a baseball glove. Treat her like your job. All kinds of stuff that every guy does all the time. And point out how you take those same skills and apply it to the girl and how you can win. And the same thing with this one. Women do the same thing. Treat them like a dog. Sounds, every chapter sounds like an insult, but they're, they're not insults. <laughs> it, it, it's how to succeed with men. Treat him like a dog. That's terrible. Really? How do you treat your dog? You come home, no matter how lousy your day was. Oh, how's my puppy? Oh, he's such a good puppy. Come here. And you pick up the dog and you hug the dog and you pet the dog. You never remind the dog of his failures ever. You know, uh, he pooped on the floor last week. That's ancient history. We don't bring stuff like that. You know, most guys are thinking, dang, treat me like a dog. Right. So uh, all the all these chapters treat him like a, uh, a, a cab driver. What does that mean? If you ever get in a cab, you know what you do? And I, I tell this to women. You get in the cab, 
you tell them where you want to go, and then you shut up. <laughs> if you're constantly micromanaging that cab driver, he will pull over, throw you out, and you're going to work your own butt home, you know? So it's all, it's all funny, right? But it's just using that kind of thing. And then there's a new book I just came out with in the same series called Treat Them Like Monkeys is how to deal with children of all ages. But finally, and this has been my, one of my top sellers, uh, it's don't be an ass. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's all, <laughs> you know, from a pastor, there's a, I go walk into a few churches with this book and their eyes get a lot of, kind of big. And I said, no, no, I'm, nobody's cursing here. I'm just using language that everybody understands. Besides, the Bible uses the word ass a million times, right? Talking about donkeys. That's what I'm talking about. That word, we've made that word vulgar. It refers to an animal. I know. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's just, you know, and languages change over time. It might have been a curse word now. It's it's a way to describe an in, uh, an intolerable person. Yeah. What is he? He's an ass. You know, and I and say, well, why do you talk that way? I got tired of all the pastor talk because it wasn't getting through to people. I remember talking to this one guy talking about how he needs to be more reflective and responsive to the input and concerns of his wife. Blah, and he just sat there staring at me. He said, what do you mean? I finally said, dude, you're an ass. And he goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, I see what you're talking about. In fact, the book is dedicated to him. <laughs> I, just, I just use this. He says it saved his marriage. He says, you know, okay, I got to quit being an ass. So what I do is there's, there's there's nine chapters describing different kinds of asses, and this mm -hmm. this can uh, or, uh you know apply to anybody, men or women. Yeah. I tell guy, you know what's great is you and your wife take the book, and when you go to bed at night, one of you read a chapter out loud and see if it reminds you of anybody in the room. Uh, but there's you know don't don't be a jackass, you know, but just don't don't be a lazy ass, don't be a hard ass, nice. don't be a dumb ass. Don't be a smart ass. And I go and I describe these asses and, and, and very comical, but very, it's designed to be a reflection, a mirror, right? right? Mirrors are our friend. You don't get mad if you walk past a mirror and see egg on your face. You go, oh, thank God, I saw the egg. So it's designed to be a mirror. It's what it is. It's just, so it's kind of a book of what not to be, but presented in a funny way. I love and, it. Uh, and uh, yeah, sold, sold a lot of these. And again, they all have, uh, you know, great little <laughs> different. Here's a, here's a picture of a, of a cheap ass. Nice. <laughs> They're all, all these different donkeys. It's like, it's hilarious. Here's a smart ass. I have this problem, actually. I can never give a straight answer. I am apparently a smart ass. Actually, I'm like, there's at least three chapters in here that describe me in detail. So it is what it is. It's just that, you know, we all who we are, but kind of be aware of it and kind of don't overdo it. Uh, the good thing is, in a nutshell, is you succeed in marriage on purpose and mm -hmm. intentionally. Guys get this in their career. They don't get, a lot of them don't get it in their marriages. There is this weird thinking that it should just happen automatically. We're married. I'm your husband. You know, that's it. That's all there is to it. No, you have to, anything that you do in life, if you succeed at it, you do it intentionally. Mm -hmm. You've got to work at it and you've got to be strong. And, and I have to run here, but my final thing is, and I don't say this to make guys feel bad, mm. but, uh, I would say to these guys, military guys and first responders and stuff like that, you know, these guys are what we refer to as heroes. These are people who risk their necks, their lives, uh, and do extraordinary deeds uh, for people they don't know. Amen. And uh, and they're wired this way. And not everybody is. There are kids. 
I think I have a grandson now that he's going to be doing that. He's going to be going in a police officer or something. I mean, already they're talking. They're just, they're wired that way. They, well, they want to be here. And I think that's great. Uh, but just always to remind them, uh, you know, save some of that for home. Amen. You know, save some of that home. You know, there's a saying, you know, in football where I'm from Green Bay, Wisconsin, and football's a big deal here. You know, we've won more world championships than any other team in the history of the NFL. Well, our team won more Super Bowl. Uh, so that's because they didn't even start calling them the Super Bowls until 1968 or whatever it was. And we won the first two. We've got our share. We got, I think, New England beats us or whatever. But, uh, uh, but we got like 13 world championships. No, but not a, any other team comes even close. Football's a big deal in Green Bay. We, you know, Green Bay is 100,000 people hmm. in Green Bay. We have a stadium that eats seats 80,000 people. And it's sold out from here to eternity. Dang. I mean, there's a 40-year waiting list for season tickets for the Green Bay Tag. If I sign up for season tickets right now, I will never get them. I will be mostly dead at that point in my life, you know, because people don't let them go. They will them to their children, grandchildren, divorces. What's one of the things in a divorce settlement? Who gets the Packer tickets? Oh. I mean, they hang. I'm telling you, they hang on to this stuff. Honey, we got to make it work. We can't lose the Packer tickets. <laughs> yeah, we got to say it together. We can't make us go down the toilet. So, uh, and it's it's held. You know, it's the only team that's owned by the uh, people. I am I am an NFL owner. I have my certificate over there somewhere. Nice. Which means I get absolutely nothing. Yeah. Only in Green Bay will you pay $250 for a piece of stock that you'll never get a penny out of for the rest of your life. <laughs> Why? Just to say, I own the team. You know, it's one of those crazy things in life. So anyway, one of the things they say about playing a sport like football or basketball or any kind of sport, and guys know this, right? Leave it out on the field. Mm. Give 110%. Don't, don't, don't leave anything. And what I always say to men, I don't care what field you're in, don't do that. Do not do that. Don't leave 100% out anywhere. Now, that's not to say you don't risk your life. For the, you know what I'm saying? The analogy here is you got to save something for home. It's not over when you're done working. You still have a job. You can't, you can't just come off the field and say, oh, I'm exhausted. I can't talk to anybody for three months. You know, it doesn't work that way. So do what you do. Continue to do it and, and – and, it's amazing what you guys do. And I believe it's something that God put in the heart of all these guys that do it, men and women. Mm. Uh, they think in those ways. I don't, I, I, I see danger. My inclination, let us run away. <laughs> let, let us run. Let's, let us run away joyfully. La, 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 la. <laughs> you know, that's the way I'm wired. Whereas other people is let's run towards the danger. Yeah. Let's see if we can help somebody. And again, men and women who do that. All I'm saying is you have a great heart. You do amazing things. Mm. Uh, but, Bring some of that home. Amen. Don't don't be a hero to a stranger and ignore your children. Come home and be a zero at home. Amen. Yeah, yeah it because it it will it, it it'll wreck your life. It just will. Pace yourself. That's the thing. Everybody, you know, anybody's been in sports or anything knows. Pace yourself. I remember once I was in a I was in high school back in the eighteen hundreds and uh we were I was in on the track team and uh they had me running the I was one of the fastest kids in the school. They had me doing the quarter mile. Well, we came to do a track once in an indoor track. I don't know if you've ever been with, but they're really tiny, and you got to go around it like three times to uh, to get the quarter mile. Well, I took off. The gun goes off. I take off like a bat out of hell. And I'm like this is easy because visually, this is really tiny, right? Because I'm not pacing myself. 
and I'm burning them first time around, second time around, third and a half time. I just, uh, uh, uh. and I was the last guy across the finishing line. It was the most, one of the most humiliating experiences of my life. I'll never forget it because I didn't know how to pace myself visually on a small circle here going around around the big quarter mile track. Yeah. Okay. Remember you gotta get this far. So that's all I'm saying, you know, do life, pace yourself. Don't just spill it out for everyone else and not, not for home. And I think what a great analogy. Cause there's guys that really struggle, really, really good friends of mine that are my brothers that they struggle when they go home because they, they feel that they've racked up 50,000 points today. They feel like they've done their bit for King and country and they get home and they forget that the queen needs them at home too. And I talk to them about that. I'm like, look, dude. And, and I, I love that analogy that you just gave. And I'm going to use the heck out of it with these guys because we do, we can be really lunkheaded and we get home and we're like, I'm 50,000 points up. I saved a kid from a burning building today. Yeah. Okay. But those points don't matter inside of your house. Not the same way you think they do. Yeah. It's a challenge. And look, there's always days, uh, you know, where you literally come home with nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I think you just got to say it. Uh, I had, one of the most brutal days of my life. I love you guys. Please understand. I got nothing left to give. You see, you do that from time to time. Nobody cares. Everybody understands. You do that every freaking day. Your kids will hate you and your wife will divorce you. You yeah. just can't do it all the time. Not to saying there are, because everybody knows some people might be listening right now and just panicking, you know, go, oh, those days where well, everybody gets that. Yeah. Same with your wife. You know, if she comes back, she's been, it's a horrible day at the hospital. She's got nothing left. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you do? You cook, you deal with the kids, you know, but if that was every day of your life where your wife couldn't do anything when she got home, you wouldn't like it. So, right. yeah. Anyway, it's look, it's hard. It's supposed to be hard. Life is hard. This is not heaven. Right. right? Amen. And, uh, so I know you've got to run very, very quickly. Um, tell people where they can find you. And so if they want to have you in person or they want a DVD or a book or whatever. Uh, you can go to my website, Mark Gungor, G-U-N, like a gun, G-O-R. Very violent sounding name, Gun and Gore. <laughs> Mark MarkGunger.com. And that's that's it. And you can find all the information there. Uh, would love to do some stuff in person. This pandemic thing has been brutal uh, to people like me mm -hmm. uh, and just have not been able to get out in public in front of anybody for the better part of a year. Uh, I'm fortunate, whereas I am a pastor and I still have the church and stuff. Uh, I got a lot of friends who are speakers like myself. They're just your income's taken away from you. Your livelihood is just taken away. And this is, this has been brutal. It has just been horrible to these people. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, anyway, let's all hope this insanity stops sooner than later. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. We all have our opinions about it. And I'm sure yep. if I share my opinion, half of them will love it of me and the other half will damn me to hell because I don't agree with them. That's the world we're living in right now. Yep. But uh, you know, anyway, this too shall pass. It all passes. Uh, nothing stays the same Amen. forever, which is actually our point, right? Just because mm. you got married in a fever doesn't mean it's all going to stay wonderful. <laughs> great, great of it did, didn't it? You know, you see all these uh, movies and they go off happily ever after, but they never show you what happens in a couple of years. <laughs> I would love to see the rest of the story. <laughs> anyway, all right, man. God bless you, Paul. Thanks for what you do. Great job. Nice to meet you. And uh, blessings to all your to all your listeners out there, man, for doing what they do. Thanks for being on. 
thank you for listening to the Beside the Badge podcast. Stay safe out there and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast.